the opportunity for a miracle. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. I want you to listen to me for a moment, if you would, if you'd be so kind. We all have physical needs. There's people here today that you take medication every day, and uh, there's people here today battling cancer. There's someone here today battling leukemia. There's folks here today with back ailments, all sorts of physical things. And most of you, the vast majority of you, I would say probably 99% of you or more, probably visit the doctor on a consistent, probably routine basis to have your physical needs addressed, whether it's cholesterol, high sugar, low sugar. If you have low sugar, we could have helped you yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Thank God for overcomers, potluck dinner things. Sister Bonnie made an amazing chocolate peanut butter cake thing yesterday. I'm sorry y'all not having that today. A nice portion of it is at my house waiting on me when I get home. I ate some of that last night before I went to bed, and the amount that I ate is none of your business. And God bless Sister Cindy Verboys. God has brought her to the kingdom for such a time as this. She made her world-famous chocolate pie and then introduced me to a lemon pie that upped it one. Amazing. And, of course, the dessert, that lemon pie that I've hoped for, all the Overcomers people ate it, and there was none of that to take home. Sister Bonnie took the last piece home to Nathan. He didn't show up, and he got a piece of it. <laughs> There's just something wrong with that picture. We had a great time yesterday. Thank you, Brother Tom. It was Sister Diane. It was amazing. But if you have low sugar, <laughs> they can probably help you today. I'm sure there's something over there that can minister to your need. My point is this in our moment of jest and, and what have you. When we have physical needs, there's recourse. There's doctors, the, the old proverbial yellow pages of times gone by is full of doctors. <clears throat> but when there's emotional problems and we are emotionally unhealthy, when we have a difficult time controlling mood and temperament and just being able to face the day without crumbling and Facing bad news without crumbling. There's emotional unhealthiness about us. Most of us really don't do anything about it. You just kind of deal with it as it comes and you expect everybody else around you to tolerate you while you're going through your emotional difficulties. In addition to that, there's spiritual unhealthiness. People here today that haven't had a good praying through the Holy Ghost in weeks, months, maybe even years. Spiritual unhealthiness, a lack of Bible reading and what have you. You get the point that when there's something wrong with us physically, we will spend hundreds and thousands of dollars, rightfully so, 
on a body that will eventually go back to the dirt from whence it came. But the spirit part of us that will live forever, we, do, we give it very little attention. We soothe our loneliness. We soothe our depression. We soothe our despondency, our moments of anxiety and stress. We soothe those things by various forms of entertainment, etc. And then there's the domestic unhealthiness. When marriages aren't good. Divorce, as we all know, in America is running about 50%. It's interesting, you can go on YouTube and you can watch all of these real sweet little video clips of the man getting down on his right knee, some get on their right, some the left, and they look up at that little girl and her eyes are batting 100 miles an hour and a little tear starts streaming when she realizes that this man is asking her to spend the rest of her life with him, that he loves her with all of his heart and don't want to share his life at that level in that arena with anyone else but her. And so she stands there for a moment, taken back by the moment. She looks at that pretty ring, and they always look at that first before they answer. They just do. Got to make sure. Got enough bling bling here to make this worth it. You know, I'm going to put up with some mess out of you, so I need something to compensate. And then she says yes. You can watch that and realize that half of those marriage proposals aren't going to last past about six or seven years. And it'll be over. Domestic unhealthiness. Marriage isn't good. Parents that have kids, some of them, I wonder why they do. They act like they're bothered by their kids all the time. That's another story for another time. Domestic upheaval, where people can't get their act together with their spouse with their kids, their kids are going crazy and doing things that the parents don't want them to do and the parents don't know how to stop it. Talked a little bit about that Wednesday night. If you didn't want, weren't here, I'd appreciate it very much if you'd go and watch it on podcast. I'm here to tell somebody that you still stand in the same place as you did last Sunday. For those of you that didn't seize the moment last Sunday, but instead went ahead and left and went on to lunch and went to work Monday and all of that kind of stuff, not seizing the opportunity, the opportunity is still in front of you to do something about your life. Am I communicating okay? You can ignore the signs and the symptoms all you want. You won't ignore them physically. You won't ignore them physically. You'll go on to the doctor. But for these other things that I've mentioned, you'll ignore them. They don't get better. As much as cholesterol out of control don't get better, your domestic situation is not going to get better unless you choose to do something about it. You have to make an appointment with somebody. Your spirituality laying in neglect is not going to get better until you choose to do something about it. Your marriage isn't, your kids will not. Is anybody hearing me today? Has somebody said one time, does anybody feel me? 
So today is not about a physical miracle. It could be. I believe Dawson could walk out of here completely healed. I believe Brother Phil could walk out of here completely healed. I'm not trying to diminish that or take that away. But that's not what God has nudged me with today. God wants to give somebody a spiritual miracle, an emotional miracle, a domestic miracle. It's not over for you. It's not over. So you get the point. The Jewish people in our scripture reading today, they kind of remind me of Americans. They claim to be Christian people until the Christ of Christian showed up. We're God's people. We're the seed of Abraham. We're the heir of the kingdom of David and so on. And Jesus showed up, the Messiah that all of their ancestors had hoped for for years was now in their presence. Listen to Pastor today. They were so unhealthy spiritually, emotionally, and even domestically that they could not see Him. They didn't realize who He was. They didn't realize His value. They couldn't comprehend his purpose. They couldn't get around the idea that he's going to go to a cross and die for us, as Brother Dave mentioned this morning. They couldn't get their head around that. But he came nonetheless. Before they were blinded, those of you that understand scriptural theology and so on, before they were blinded, before they rejected him, they couldn't see him. He did not come, Brother Wheeler, because they had been praying and fasting for him. He didn't show up because they were manifesting this unbelievable hunger and desire for him and would be willing to accept him no matter what he did, no matter what he looked like. They weren't so anxious for him that they would have accepted him as their Messiah regardless of who his mom and daddy was regardless of who his siblings were. The point is, he was not there as a result of their faith and their prayers and their longing for him. He was there out of his compassion for them. Do you understand that Jesus showed up on the scene at the conclusion of 400 years of the Jewish people not hearing a word from God. He wasn't there because they were waiting at the airport with a marching band and a military salute and all of the accolades. As a matter of fact, he slipped into this world, totally blindsided them on the backside of somebody's ranch. To put it in our terminology. And he's not here today either because some of you have been praying and fasting about this moment. He's not here today because you couldn't wait to get here 
and to engage the presence of God. Some of you are here today, if you're honest, you've been guilt-tripped into being here today by somebody, something. Maybe your own conscience said, well, I guess I better go to church because I, I, I just I need to do that or whatever. I'm not trying to be harsh and mean, I'm trying to be real. I know full good and well, there's folks here today that you weren't chomping at the bits all day yesterday and couldn't wait for, for church to start today. I know that. This is a typical American church congregation. Jesus isn't here today because you couldn't wait. He's here today because He couldn't wait to show you an element of grace and mercy and compassion and sheer unmerited love. I'm not here to say that everybody's horrible and you're not worthy of Him. We all are. We all, God wants to mingle with all of us. I'm not here to say that, but my point is, is it's not necessarily your hunger that's driven Him into this building. It's His desire to give you an opportunity to make your life better. That's why He's here. I've come today to prove what I just said is biblical. Somebody said one time, miracles happen every day. Miracles happen every day. Again, I'm not necessarily here to focus on the physical. I'm here to focus on the spiritual, emotional, and domestic part of our lives. Everybody on board with that? Everybody say yes. You may not be, but that makes me feel better to hear you say it. Somebody said, miracles happen every day. I'm not talking about your physical man. A miracle can happen in your spirituality, in your emotional structure, in your domestic front. A miracle could happen. Something could switch in your head. And that old mug that you're married to, that you've been married to for however long, all of a sudden she's pretty again. All of a sudden he's Prince Charming again. You never know, man. That's the kind of miracle I'm talking about. If God can put money in your bank account, and if God can heal your cancer, He can sure work on your brain. He can work in your emotions. He can work in your spirituality. And He can sure, Casey, work in your family. can be miraculous. Miracles happen every day. You might as well be the recipient of one of them. Change your perspective of what a miracle is. And you'll see them all around you. Wayne Dyer said, Miracles come in moments. Be ready and willing. Edwin Lewis Cole said, Expectancy is the atmosphere for miracles. A great part of the ministry of Christ consisted of miracles. I want to stop and say here in passing, this is the kind of the, the breadth and scope of what I'm talking about here today. When Jesus healed a blind man, He didn't just restore his eyesight. He gave him the ability to measure depth. He made him, gave him the ability to understand peripheral vision. He gave him the whole thing. He could totally restored not just his eyes, but his brain to comprehend what he was seeing. That's the kind of miracle I'm talking about. You think it's over for your marriage. You think it's over for your kids. You think it's over for your domestic situation you're in. But God, with one touch of his hand, can change the entire way you look at things and see things and turn your attitude around and change your spirit and perspective. That's the kind of miracle I'm talking about today. I know it's a stretch and I know it's a reach, but here we go. When Jesus healed a lame man, 
He just didn't fix his legs, Brother Ben. He taught him how to walk. Do y'all get that? Somebody get that. When he healed a leper, he just didn't cleanse a leper. He gave the ability to be social again. Restored his self-esteem and his confidence so he could walk back up to his family and his wife and kids and square shoulders and put his chin in the air and say, I'm not that anymore. So a great part of the ministry of Christ consisted of miracles. He just didn't heal physical, but when he healed the physical, he healed everything, all the other components to go with it. So there are about 38, 37 miracles recorded in the Gospels. 23 times in the Gospels it stated that Jesus healed them all. Everybody that showed up got healed. He healed everyone. It said that numerous times. In John 21, 25, there are also many other things which Jesus did, to which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. The miracles were meant to teach, reveal, and demonstrate His deity. Keep in mind, they weren't praying and fasting for this to happen. It was a sovereign move of God. And all of these things Jesus did served to testify of the glory of God and as illustrations to deeper spiritual truths. But these miracles were also a reminder of the consequence of sin and sickness and blindness and death and the power of God to do something about it. The point is that God can take whatever is left of your life. And even when you don't realize that you want Him or even need Him, He still shows up and demonstrates and illustrates. There's people sitting here today that have told me out of their own mouth, I would not be married today. There's a couple here right now that have said numerous times, we would not be together today had it not been for the divine intervention of God. Not only did He heal them as individual people, but He healed their marriage. He healed how they felt about each other. He healed how they could live together in harmony. He healed them. It's a miracle. They'd be divorced today on drugs, alcohol, and all that of their own admission. The Bible lets us know that these 37 miracles recorded are but a few selected miracles among many others that were not recorded. Again, in John 20, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these things are written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. But as impressive as these miracles are, there's evidence in the Scripture, and I'm going to prove this to you today. There's evidence in the Scripture that there are other miracles that might have been, that could have been, that should have been, that never happened because men could not be receptive of the Christ that was in their presence. It's clear that more than once he was at the point of working a miracle but was somehow hindered. He who had all power was hindered by causes he could not overcome without invading the human will, in which he will never do. There are needs here today that only the miraculous power of God can meet. As Casey read uh, today, uh, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. 
And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, and the recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book and gave it again to the minister, and he sat down. And the eyes of them were all in the synagogue, were fastened on him, began to say, Today is this scripture fulfilled in your ear. I'm here to bring you a miracle on every level of your life. Not just your human body, but your broken heart. Your wounded spirit. I'm here to bring deliverance to whatever has you captive. I'm here to restore your sight. So there were in all likelihood sick, leprous, devil-possessed, and sorrow-burdened and unburied dead in Nazareth, where he was from. The Bible said in Mark chapter 6, verse 5, and he could do there no mighty work. Couldn't do it. Save that he laid hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. This day, he said, is a scripture fulfilling year. The total effect of their attitude was that of a closed and shuttered windows toward the light. There was but a short, simple step between them and eternal life. There was but a short, simple step between them and hope, between them and peace, between them and comfort, between them and healing, between them and restoration. But it was a step they had to take, and they never took it. These are miracles that never happen. There's miracles that never happen. The Bible should be that thick or more. Jesus said, as I preached to you last Sunday, Matthew 23, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets and stone them that are sent to you. How often would I have? But you would not. At the end of his life, he stood and looked over the city of Jerusalem and wept. What miracles must have laid have he had in mind for this city? And they they only received him at Caiaphas and Herod and Pilate, arisen from their evil dreams and their scheming agendas and opened the opportunity, knocking at their many doors. It challenges one to think of what might have happened. Jesus said, I tell you of a truth. Many, many, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up for three years six months when great famine was throughout the land but unto none of them was Elijah sent save unto Sarepta a little city in Lebanon the city of Sidon unto a woman that was a widow and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah Elisha the prophet and none of them was cleansed save Naaman the Syrian why Because they never understood the opportunity that the presence of God was giving them. We discount it. We talked to you about this several weeks ago, and that's the point of faith it that Casey did this morning and and others. That's the point of that. We're battling a spirit that has crept into Grace Church. You believe your doctor more than you believe God. You believe your attorney more than you believe God. You believe your psychiatrist and your counselor and your therapist more than you believe God. You believe your circumstances around you more than you believe God. So God says to us here at Grace Church, there's many things I would have liked to have done for you. When he was come to the other side into the country of 
Gergesenes there, he met a man, met him two possessed with devils. Two people possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fear so that no man might pass that way. Matthew records two demon-possessed men. But the record only records of one being delivered. What about the men of the city who came out that prayed that Jesus would depart from their coast? The saddest prayer request I've ever read in the Bible or ever. Their pigs or their livelihood were more important than their deliverance, their job. The woman with the issue of blood touched him and was healed. Jesus said, the disciples said, when he asked, who touched me? His own disciples said, but Lord, you've been bumped into all day long. How can you say who touched me? Why didn't all those other people that touched him, why weren't they healed? (laughs) Jesus told Peter on the stormy sea, we all know this story. Peter looked at Jesus walking on the water and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me. The answer has come. Jesus saw, Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, and he said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me. Okay. Peter was come down out of the ship, the Bible said, and walked on the water. Why didn't the other 11 go with him? It is a good point, whoever said that. Jesus healed blind Bartimaeus as he was exiting Jericho that day. He had passed through the entire city and not one person cried out to him. Folks, I don't know what to say. I'm doing my best here today. There's people here that could call you by your name. I could walk up to you right now and say, if you would take advantage of this opportunity, your marriage in a week would be summarily better. If you do, if you would take what I'm saying and, and weave it into your life, you would bring tranquility and peace to your home. You'd bring hope to your marriage and to your kids. You'd bring hope to your finances. And Jesus is here, and we're just like the people of Jericho. There's this poor, begging, blind man that only cries out out of desperation when there were multitudes of people that Jesus would have done the same thing for them if they would only cry out. But they don't do it. They sit there like you and I, and we sing, Jeremy, where are you? There he is, about the presence of God. Man, Brother Merrill leaned over and said, boy, man, if I could sing like that. I feel you. (laughs) I smell what you're stepping in. (laughs) I got to add a little bit of light to this. This This is far more heavy duty than what I'd planned, but I'm desperate here this morning. I'm desperate for you. John chapter 5, by the way, Jesus never went back to Jericho again. He never went back. John chapter 5, and there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. There was a Jerusalem by the sheep market of pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue um, Bethesda, having five porches. And in these five porches lay a great, great multitude of people who were waiting for the troubling of the water, you answer the question, how many were healed that day?
Luke chapter 5. It came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face. As they went, they entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him, the Bible said. Because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, without that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them like Elijah did. He turned and rebuked the disciples and said, You know not what manner of spirit you are of. The Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save men's lives. So He hasn't come to judge you. He hasn't come to condemn you. He hasn't come to cause fire and lightning to fall out of heaven and destroy your miserable existence as sometimes we like to think of ourselves as. But He's come to save you. For the Son of Man has come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So what might have happened in this Samaritan village, Jesus put it off and He didn't let fire fall from heaven. But they also missed their chance for a miracle. Judas Iscariot was the man who betrayed him. And it makes you wonder what could have been. They were looking for a lion, but he came as a lamb and they missed it. They were looking for a warrior, but he came as a peacemaker and so they missed it. They were looking for a king, but he came as a servant and so they missed it. They were looking for liberation to deliver them from Rome. But he submitted to the Roman cross instead. And so they, they missed him. And they were looking for a fit into their mold. But he was the mold maker. They missed it. They were looking for their temporal needs to be met. But he came to meet their eternal need. And they missed it. His presence, however, we may be made aware of it. It sets such a judgment seat for us, whether we realize it or not. And when He comes into our midst, it is with an offer of the miraculous to meet the sin-created needs in our lives. Stand with me this morning. I'm sad to say, but if this is a typical Sunday morning, as we would frame it, there's going to be people walk out of here this morning with unopened gifts sitting on your chair, spiritually speaking, domestically speaking, financially speaking, whatever. There's going to be unopened gifts left on your chair that Jesus put there for you. Miracles. It didn't happen today because you choose to walk away and not receive it. And somehow or another, there's something that kind of equates with me where we want miracles physically. God prefers to heal us spiritually first. God prefers to heal us emotionally first. He chooses to heal us domestically first. He's not nearly so much worried about your body as He is your soul. So, here He comes, Jesus. 
God manifest in flesh. The Alpha, the Omega. Did anybody feel the presence of the Lord here today? Did you feel those goosebumps that, you know, you know what I mean? That warm, that thing that just drills your belly and just makes you want to. Some people it makes you want to cry. But here he is. He's come to a modern day Jerusalem. And here's the thing. I'll be honest with you this morning. I pray this every Sunday and every Wednesday when I get here. God, please show up like He's not. I don't have to pray that. He's going to be here, Dave, whether I ask Him to or not. Right? It's up to me to engage Him or not. He's going to be here. And that's the way He was with the Jewish people. They didn't fast and pray. Did anybody fast and pray yesterday so that Jesus would be here? Were you nervous that He wouldn't be here? We don't have to ask that. The Jews didn't. And so he shows up. Not because we're spiritual heroes and we fasted three days and prayed for four hours and God showed up as a result of our prayer and fasting like we did something great. He shows up only because he has an undying, unconditional love for you, for your life, for your future. He cares about your marriage and your kids. He cares about your job. He cares about how much money is in your bank account or the lack thereof. He cares. The Bible said the very hairs on your head are numbered. Somebody, somebody, somebody that needs to take advantage of the opportunity. Somebody that needs to. I'm going to open up the front of the building in just a few moments. Abilene, great to see you today, sweetie. Good to see you today. I'm going to open the front of the building in a moment. And there'll be folks come. You don't necessarily have cancer, but you may have a headache, so you're going to come down here. You're going to go sit and see the, the spiritual doctor. And I love you for that. But there's people here today that are eaten up with life. You've been consumed with life. And nothing has really worked out for you. None of your dreams and plans. There's people here today that looked up into the eyes of that starry-eyed little sweetheart at the time. And you said, I can't wait to spend the rest of my life with you. But something happened. It is not what you planned. It's not what you hoped. That little baby that you brought home from the hospital is now grown. And you don't know where they are. And you don't know what they're feeling. And they're out of your control. And deep down on the inside of us, there's a hurting despondency and an anxiety and a stress that you bury every day with all kinds of stuff when Jesus is here. I say unto thee, you are still my child, even though you may not feel that I'm your father. I still love you. And I've put air in your lungs, and I've caused your heart to beat for years to bring you to this moment where you can have a rendezvous with my presence. And I'm asking you today to see me. As a God that loves you, 
I've not come to judge you. I've come to love you and to show you compassion. Would you respond to my voice? Would you take advantage of the opportunity? Because I love you. And I can't imagine being God without your worship, without your faith in me, without your trust in me. You fulfill me more as your God when you truly love me with all of your heart. Come unto me, you that labor. You that are full of stress and anxiety. You're full of hurt and heartache and bitterness. Come unto me. It's why I'm here. I've come to love you. I've come to give you comfort. I've come to give you peace. I'm still God, but I'm still your Father. And I love you more than you'll ever know nor understand. Come to me, says the Lord. You coming? Are you coming? Come on. Get over yourself. Get past yourself for a few moments. Come on, let God. Let God do something great for you here today. You may not understand it, but I'm asking you to trust Him. Trust Him. He's not going to let you down. He's not going to fail you. He's not going to tell you a lie. Come unto Him. Come unto Him. Please come. Please come. Please come. Please come. Come on, ministry team. Come on, ministry team. Help me this morning. I need your help. 